This is The Guardian. Just a warning before we start. This episode contains distressing content and references to domestic violence. Please listen with care. I'm Noor Haidar, coming to you from Gadigal land, and this is the full story. The alleged murder of a young couple, Jesse Baird and Luke Davies, has left many in the queer community hurting and angry. New South Wales police have charged one of their own, Senior Constable Bo Lamar Condon. The ongoing investigation has raised serious questions about the tracking of police-issued guns. And it's also resurfaced old and deep distrust among some in Sydney's queer community with law enforcement. Today, the alleged murder of Jesse Baird and Luke Davies. It's Thursday, the 29th of February. 
and at the time of the alleged crime he was a senior constable, but some years ago when he was a teenager and in his early 20s he was a celebrity blogger, posted lots of selfies with celebrities, there's footage of him interviewing stars on the red carpet, then he eventually decided to join the police force. And what can you tell us about Beau Lamar Condon's relationship with Jesse Baird? There was some speculation or maybe confusion about the nature of the relationship that Lamar had with Jesse Baird. Initially, it was said that Jesse was Lamar's ex-boyfriend or ex-partner. Some friends came out and spoke in the media and disputed this. They said that Lamar and Jesse had a brief encounter, but that they were never going out. Police have said that they are going to allege in court that the two men had some kind of relationship. Police have said that it ended last year and that it did not end well. Police have also alleged that Lamar had previously gained entry to Jesse's house in Paddington and wiped contacts and messages from his phone. And investigators allege Lamar's crimes followed months of predatory behaviour that culminated in the fatal double shooting. There are still many unanswered questions about what happened and that'll take some time to play out in the court. But what do we know so far? So on Wednesday, the 21st of February, police launched an investigation after a member of the public discovered bloodied clothing and a number of other personal items in a skip bin in Cronulla. They've since said that shots were heard at the home on Monday morning on the 19th of February. And they also say that Lamar hired a white van from Sydney Airport later that evening. Police allege that Lamar used that van to transport Luke and Jesse's bodies to a property in Bungonia, about a two-hour drive from Sydney. Police say that Lamar was accompanied by a female friend on this drive and allege that he made partial admissions of having been involved in the deaths of two people. Police have described this friend or acquaintance as an innocent agent and said that she's been cooperating with detectives and assisting them with their inquiries. And earlier this week, police confirmed that they'd found the bodies of Jesse Baird and Luke Davies. It is an important time in this investigation that we now know, we believe, we're very confident that, that we have located Luke and Jesse. What did they say? So on Tuesday afternoon, police announced that they had made what they describe as a breakthrough in the case. This morning, uh, homicide squad detectives um, attended the MWRC at Silverwater um, and spoke to the accused. They alleged that Lamar, who they claimed had initially not been cooperating with them or providing them with any information, had disclosed the location that he allegedly took Luke and Jesse's bodies to. So that was about four days after he handed himself into police. Um, as a result of that, uh, he provided assistance to the investigation. We were able to provide a location of where Luke and Jesse um, were. They were at a, another property in Bungonia, about a 20-minute drive away from where police had initially searched. So police believe that Lamar, after going to that original property, then left 
with his acquaintance and went back to Sydney, then returned alone sometime in the early hours of the next morning and moved Luke and Jesse's bodies. They were discovered partially buried with debris and rocks, police have alleged. And at that stage it was declared a crime scene and immediately the the family were informed um, of the development and uh, crime scene examination will be ongoing for some time. And from here the police say they're speaking to more witnesses and putting together their brief of evidence for Lamar's next court appearance, which is due to be on the 23rd of April. So Bo Lamar Condon allegedly used a police-issued weapon and this case has raised a lot of questions both about the use of police weapons but also their storage. Can you take us through some of the concerns that have been raised? So this case has actually prompted calls for an independent review of how police weapons are used and stored in New South Wales. And that comes on the back of broader calls for an inquiry into police use of force in the state, which we heard a lot of last year. In this particular case, police alleged that Bolamar took home his force-issued Glock pistol three days before he allegedly used it to murder Jesse and Luke. What police allege is that Lamar took the gun from the police station at Miranda. He was rostered to work on a user pays event. These are events such as music festivals or rallies where organisers pay for the policing services themselves. He was due to work at the event on the Sunday. We don't know for sure that he did work at that event. And then the following day, he, police say, took the gun to the station at Balmain, which is near the house where he's believed to have been living. He then at some point took the gun from Balmain and took it back to Miranda and checked it back into the police station there. So the gun's allegedly been moved around and there are questions over how, if these allegations are correct, he was able to check out the gun, keep it for four days and then check it back in when no one appears to have noticed that it was returned allegedly missing a cartridge case, which police claim they found at the scene of the alleged crime. Do you concede that police have failed in this case? Well, it's a failure if someone has used their service firearm in the manner that's alleged, and which is why it's necessary to have a review. We have robust policies and procedures as outlined by... So the New South Wales Police Commissioner Karen Webb earlier this week conceded that there had been what she called a failure in relation to the gun that was allegedly used in this case. And then on Tuesday, she said this can never happen again. So we'll see what the outcome of the review is and if any policies or procedures within the police force change as a result. There's clearly an issue and we need to mitigate that. So there needs to be more safeguards? Uh, There does. But it's not just police procedures and protocols that have come into question following Luke and Jesse's deaths. Uh, The way Karen Webb herself has conducted herself in her public appearances this week has also attracted criticism. Next, the concerns behind police marching at Mardi Gras. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. 
Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy to assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Jordan, we heard earlier that New South Wales Police Commissioner Karen Webb has faced some criticism for comments that she's made and some of her actions over recent days. What did she say? So on Monday, Karen Webb addressed the media for the first time, which was three days after police had launched their investigation into Luke and Jesse's disappearance. Jordan Beasley is a reporter for Guardian Australia. Commissioner, should police officers march in in Mardi Gras? My view, yes. We have been building a bridge with the gay lesbian community since the 78ers were mishandled by police back in the day. We have been participating in Mardi Gras for the last 20 years and haven't missed a year. And I would hate to see that this is the year that we are excluded because of the actions of one person that is not gay hate related. This is a crime of passion, we will allege. It is domestic related, we allege. And that would be a real travesty for this organisation to be excluded. So what anti-domestic violence experts and advocates have taken issue with is this use of the term crime of passion. So they say it's outdated and, and that it excuses or dismisses an alleged domestic violence crime. Webb again drew criticism after she responded to frustrations over delay in speaking publicly after the alleged murders by quoting Taylor Swift lyrics. But there will always be haters. Haters like to hate. Isn't that what Taylor says? Um, But I've got a job to do. As I said, it's a big job. This is just one of many jobs. So, Jordan, by Monday evening, the Mardi Gras board was meeting. Why? And what was the outcome of that meeting? Well, this case ignited a debate about whether or not police should participate in Sydney's Mardi Gras parade. And there are mixed views within the community about whether police should be involved. And a number of the advocates and activists I spoke to earlier said they don't want police at Pride and they agree with the board's decision to uninvite New South Wales police. And a number of those advocates have been calling for police to no longer march in that parade for years. And they say the alleged murder of Jesse and Luke was the final straw amid a growing discontent with police presence at the annual event. As I said, there are those within the community that have a different view. On Monday, for example, we heard from state independent MP Alex Greenwich on the ABC and he said he wanted better relationships between his community and police. My focus as the the member for Sydney who represents one of the largest LGBTQ communities um, in in the country um, and every step of the way has been to work as hard as it has been to bring the LGBT community and the police together. I want to make sure that the police are there to protect us, uh, that we are comfortable to report crime to them, um, and I I want us to, to, to be working with them. I don't think excluding them um, from, a, from a parade helps to facilitate that. 
And Greenwich is certainly not alone with this view in the community. So I spoke to one of the 78ers, which is the term that we use for the generation of queer people who first started Mardi Gras in 1978. His name is Peter Murphy and he is concerned this move will damage the community's relationship with the police, especially since the cops began marching in solidarity in the Mardi Gras in 1998. Back in 1998, when they first joined the parade, I was really happy because uh, I felt that it was like a, you know, a victory for us that this had happened and we should keep building on it. Now we've had more engagement of uh, 78ers and others with the police to try to push forward uh, reform and culture change. And um, this decision cuts right across that. Not all of the 78ers agree with this view. There are a number who think that police shouldn't march at Mardi Gras. And I think this sentiment does hark back to a number of those people's experience during that first Mardi Gras in 1978. Those protesters faced intense police brutality and 53 of those protesters were arrested and a number badly beaten. However, there are allies who do agree with this outside of the queer community that have expressed strong views that police shouldn't be involved this year. And that includes Green Senator for New South Wales, David Shoebridge. When will the police be held to account? And an obvious place that they can be held to account right now is for the community to say, well, actually, you're not welcome at the Mardi, at the Mardi Gras and you're not welcome because of the historic and and I think many people would say continuing violence against the community that comes from police. This is not the police's march. This is the community's march. But late on Monday night, the Mardi Gras board had decided that it would withdraw the invitation and ask police not to march in the parade this Saturday. In a statement, the board said that the community needed space to grieve the loss of Jesse and Luke, who before this tragedy would have been a part of this weekend celebrations. And they said that having New South Wales police march this year could add to the distress within the community. The AFP has said they will not be marching in this year's parade either. They said this decision was not taken lightly, but they acknowledge how some in the community are feeling about the blue uniform. We also have to note the sombre timing of this case. So it's just days out from the nation's biggest celebration of queer rights. And from everyone I spoke to, it, it has left the queer community reeling. You know, there are tributes outside the couple's Paddington residence. Charlie Murphy from Pride and Protest said on Tuesday at a press conference that this is an overwhelming amount of grief and anger in the community at the moment. Part of the criticism that has been levelled at uh, Karen Webb has been about her response to a hate crimes inquiry. So can you tell us a little bit about that inquiry? So this inquiry was a world's first into gay hate crimes and it examined cases in New South Wales between 1970 and 2010. And that inquiry, released a few days before Christmas last year, found police had failed to properly investigate potential gay hate crimes and must rebuild trust with the queer community. Now, Justice John Sacker, who presided over that inquiry, he was critical of police conduct during it, saying the force had, in significant respects, engaged with the inquiry in what he described as adversarial or unnecessarily defensive. And that included belatedly requesting extensions and not acknowledging poor historical record keeping. The police are yet to implement the recommendations of 
that report. But on Sunday, Webb apologised for police conduct into investigating the deaths via statement sent to the media. But there are some who did question why it wasn't offered when the report was released last year. And as I mentioned earlier, advocates and activists have said that Mardi Gras' response and the broader queer community's feelings about what happened to Jesse and Luke is also part of a broader discontent that has been sort of bubbling away for some time now. So I spoke to criminologist Justin Ellis and he told me that we shouldn't view this decision to disinvite police after the alleged murders in isolation. And so he referred to the inquiry, which I just mentioned as as one contributing force to this discontent. And also in December, two-thirds of Mardi Gras members voted to abandon a memorandum of understanding, which is known as the Accord with New South Wales Police. So that accord was established in 2014 and it allows Mardi Gras members to have input into planning for police presence at these events. It also ensures police activity is appropriate to the scale and risk of the event within a culturally informed framework. Ella said this is really a point of re-evaluation of norms around how the community is policed and the role of police. So where to from here, Jordan? Well, we did find out on Wednesday afternoon that the police have now come to an agreement with the board of Mardi Gras that the police will in fact now march in Saturday's parade, albeit they will be wearing plain clothes, which is different to the normal circumstance in which they usually do march in uniform. But I do think that there is going to be a broader conversation had around these issues that will continue post Mardi Gras. And The reason for that is that there was this point made by a number of the activists and advocates that I spoke to that they're not only concerned about the relationship of police with the queer community, but also more broader across all minorities within Australia. They raise concerns about the treatment of First Nations people. And so I think that this adds to what I mentioned earlier about these number of forces just contributing to this discontent that's been bubbling away. I think what the tragedy of what happened to Luke and Jesse and also the other factors that have been pointed out that have really frustrated the community just shows that there is a lot of work to be done there to improve that relationship between police and the queer community. And I think a former board member of Mardi Gras, James Brecco, really summed this up well in that he said, ultimately with the Mardi Gras and the police's decision to allow police to march, that neither side of this debate got exactly what they wanted. And though he is happy for the members of the force that do get to march in Saturday's parade, he said whether or not that is a good idea to have police march rather than taking a respectful break is something that will probably be reflected on outside of this very tragic moment post Mardi Gras. That was Guardian Australia reporter Jordan Beasley. Earlier, you also heard from reporter Katie McLeod. You can find more of their work on theguardian.com and we've linked to their latest pieces on this case on the Full Story page. That's it for today. This episode was produced by Karishma Luthria and Joe Koning. Sound design and mixing by James Milsom. The executive producer of Full Story is Hannah Parks. Don't forget to subscribe or follow Full Story wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also leave a review. I'm Noor Haidar. Thanks for listening. 
If you or someone you know needs help, you can contact the National Domestic and Family Violence Counselling Service 1800 RESPECT or 1800 737 732. You can also contact QLIFE, the LGBTIQ plus peer support helpline on 1800 184 527 or visit their website at qlife.org.au. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.